to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Fight less, feel appreciated, and have a deeper connection with your spouse. And now your hosts, Shachar Erez and Ziv Raviv. Hello and welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Raviv. And I'm Shachar Erez. And today we have a very, very special guest, the opening guest for this season. And uh, we are so glad and I'm so excited to have with us uh, Jed Diamond. Jed Diamond has a, a, a PhD in international health, gender issues and men health. He's been a successful author with uh, 16 books by now at the time of the recording. Uh, and he is the founder of manalive.com. He also wrote recently the book 12 Rules for Good Men, which would be the, one of the things we want to talk with you, Jed, today. And, your, uh, and this interview is happening all the way uh, through Zoom, where you live in uh, Willits, uh, California. Hello, Jed. Thank you so much for being here. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for asking me. So um, first of all, like I want to understand how long you've been involved in helping men and helping uh, people in relationships. You've been quite occupied with this topic. Can you share us just some some uh, perspective? Yeah, well, it really began for me. Uh, I still know the date, November twenty first, nineteen sixty nine, when I held my newborn son in my arms for the first time. And I made a, a vow to him that I would be a different kind of father than my father was able to be for me, and to do everything I could to create a world where fathers were fully involved with their children throughout their lives. And really, my, my whole work life in the last 50 plus years has been a fulfillment of that promise that I made to my son. And the other fathers and children of the world that I think really need to have this kind of healing that so many people uh, are hungry for, and particularly at those times of change that we're all going through in the world. Yeah. Well, you had 50 plus years, 1969, that's 51 years ago. Yes, it is. You know, we're really interested in helping men become better partners. And you yeah. have such a long view. I wonder what, what you see, how that has been evolving, anything you know you, you can share with us? Sure. Well, I, I have both a long view in terms of the work that I've been doing in the world, uh, as you say, 50 plus years. But like most people, you know, certainly most men, uh, I didn't know really anything about relationships when I grew up. The relationships in my family were not real good models for a healthy relationship. And I think so many of us didn't have good models. And many of us, male and female, grew up with fathers that were either absent or distant or in some way dysfunctional. And so we, we grow up, we get on with our lives. I did. I you know, fell in love, got married, and thought this was it. We live happily ever after, except we had problems and we didn't. And we had two children and then we got a divorce. Mm. And uh, I thought, well, geez, you know, I'll try again and fell in love again, got married again. And that didn't work out. Wow. And I've got to tell you, just as a, a, a person, as a man, it's, it's tragic, you know, when uh, a relationship that you think is going to last forever doesn't. 
And it's even more tragic if you're a healer or a marriage and family counselor, a therapist, as I was. And I really decided I better figure out it's kind of hard to be helping other people when I can't honestly say that my own love life is in good shape. So I went to therapy myself. I learned some, got a lot of help. I read a lot of books and finally kind of learned the things that are the cornerstone of my relationship part in the in the new book, uh, 12 Rules for Good Men. But I can report that I fell in love again. I got married again. And my present wife and I have now been together for 40 years. <laughs> nice. This is 40 a- years. And so- just a, a little tag note to that. My, my wife will tell you that she thinks one of the main reasons why we've been able to have a really healthy, good relationship for 40 years is that I've been in a men's group that's been meeting regularly for 41 years. No way. Wow. So uh, as you know, one of my rules for good men, I think you can appreciate this, is be in a men's group. Yeah. Because I think there's things that we can't learn about healthy masculinity unless we're in a group of healthy men. And that's what I've had the joy uh, of being able to do for the last 41 years. I have a question about that. Um, many, many questions. But the first thing I want to like uh, clarify here on the air, how do you identify a healthy man from unhealthy men? Well, the way I think about it is that if you look at the lives of all of us, I think we have to agree that we all were raised in families that had some degree of dysfunction. That is, they weren't perfectly healthy, nurturing, caring, involving, loving. Something was stressed. So the way I think about unhealthy isn't that you're mentally ill, you're crazy, you're somehow inadequate, but that we all are trying to survive and thrive given that we had a model or a blueprint that was inadequate or was missing some pieces. So the other side of that is that we all then have healing work to do. We all have in some ways to go back and do some of the healing that needs to happen so that we can then reprogram ourselves to fill in some of the the missing pieces, to remove some of the beliefs that we had that were you know, dysfunctional or that were based on fear rather than love. And when we're able to do that, and that's part of what I do in my counseling and I try to put out through my writing and my books is to help men and their families to be able to do that healing work and take that healing journey so that we all can get and be in the kind of long-term loving relationships that so many of us really are hungry to have in our lives. So, so one part of being a healthy man is being an evolving, mindful, growing person? Exactly. And, you know, it starts with being able to, I think, recognize the woundedness. Because mm. so many of us not only were wounded, but we covered the wound because it was painful, because we learned in some form to wear a mask to protect mm. ourselves. And the masks that we wear not only 
protects ourselves from being hurt, but it disconnects us from other people. Yeah. So what happens is we fall in love, and what we're really falling in love with is not the person, but we're falling in love with our projected image of what we are hungry for, what we hope that person will be. And they're falling in love not with us as a complete person, but they're falling in love with their projected image. And so that's part of the reason that relationships go for a time and then kind of hit the rock. I wrote a book called The Enlightened Marriage that speaks to this. That they said there's five stages, and where most relationships end is in stage three that I call disillusionment. And we all hit that time where we're disillusioned. We think we've made the wrong choice. My first two marriages hit that. But the truth is, disillusionment, in my understanding, is a stage that helps us if we're willing to to go deeper rather than bail out and to really find and heal the wounds that we have so that we can then get to stage four, which I call real lasting love. It's now real because we're now who we really are. We're not armored and not in a protective stance, but we're able to be vulnerable and open. And then we can, if we're lucky, we hang in there to stage five, which is finding our calling as a couple. You know, my wife and I and all couples that get through this stage often have some feeling of calling or desire to do good works in the world that have to do in some way with healing relationships. Wow. Um, so what is it about men's group that is so important for men, that it's a rule in the 12 rules for good men? Right. Well, one of the core ways that I think we have to recognize the necessity of having, if we're going to have a good relationship, is we have to be really comfortable in our maleness, or if we're a woman, in our femaleness. And my wife is the one that challenged me to write this book, 12 Rules for Good Men, and it touches on this. She said, you know, with all the conflict between men and women and the different movements and the gender conflicts that are going on throughout the world, we really need to have a book that teaches men what it means to be a good man in today's world. And that starts with being able to feel really comfortable with our maleness and who we are as a male. And most of us, again, didn't grow up in families where we had very close, intimate contact with not only a father, but with uncles and brothers and extended family. And so we really start to build an image of what we think a man is or what we think maleness is based on either what we think we do not want as I don't want to be a woman, so I must want to be the opposite. Or we have images from, you know, movies, TV that tell us to be strong, silent, tough guys. Mm. And a men's group gives us a chance to really get to know ourselves on a deeper level, to really get comfortable with the whole panoply of what it means to be male. Then when we enter into a relationship, whether it's uh, with a woman, another man, whatever our uh, sexual interest is, 
it's from a place of real comfort and solidity with who I am as a gendered male person if we're a man or a female person if we're a woman. Beautiful, beautiful. I, you know, I often find that uh, when we ask men what, what is uh, masculinity, what is, what is manhood, they don't really have an answer. They say, you know, they think it's the opposite of uh, femininity. Yes. And yeah, I'll I'm give you another little, uh, little kind of poetic thing. Uh, my, my friend and colleague, Robert Bly, who's a yeah. writer and a poet, and this touches on your question about why men's groups or why men's support, as he said that he was talking about younger men, but I think it's true for all of us. He says that younger men must, of necessity, be in the presence of older men so that he can hear the sound that male cells sing. And I think that's such a wonderful, the sound that male cells sing, that it says that all of us, if we're male, every cell in our body, all 10 trillion cells in our body, every one of them is male. We have an XY chromosome, which we have in every cell of our body, if we're male that it tells us that on a vibrational level, on a very, every cell, every part of us vibrates to a, a particular sound, a vibration, that's a different vibration than any person that has XX chromosome in every one of her cells. So that it allows, again, when you can't define it, it means You've never heard that sound or mm-hmm. resonated with a group of healthy men like I have. I'm actually going to be seeing my, my men's group guys in the next couple of weeks. We haven't seen each other in a while. But you know, like I say, we've been together 41 years and have spent a lot of time getting to know what the sound that male cells sing, in our case, really is about. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a deep commitment, 41 years together. Yes. I love, I love how it, it, it makes like this, this line, uh, the male cells uh, sinks. It makes you committed as a man to being a man and to understand that there is masculine in every single cell of you. And exploring what that means is a journey that for many, they're, uh, they're not even aware that this journey can be done, can be can be embarked upon. What are some other important rules in the 12 rules that you can share with us? Well, another one that uh, I talk about is, uh, it's actually the second rule, I call it breaking out of the man box. And the man box is the, the way we've been taught to be men, usually by the culture, by how we were raised, by movies, television, just the whole thing that says men are supposed to be. Whatever, we've all, you know, men are supposed to be strong. Men are supposed to be silent. Men are supposed to be breadwinners. Men are supposed to not feel pain. Uh, you know, men, men have to provide a certain, you know, support for women. We have to take care of them. We can't, you know, there's a whole set of these these beliefs that everybody has in, in my growing up, uh, there was a nursery rhyme uh, that said that little girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. 
what little girls are made of, where little boys are made of snips and snails and puppy dogs' tails. That's what little boys are made of. So the man box is this whole set of you know, beliefs, of attitudes that really restricts us. And what's interesting in the relationship world is the very things that we tell males you must be are the same things we tell females you must not be. Mm -hmm. So often men grow up with, you have to be strong and silent. And women grow up with the, the belief that you must not be strong and silent. You must be the opposite. Men are taught you must be hard and masculine, you know, and women are taught you, you can't be hard. Men are taught the opposite of what women are taught they must be. We're taught we must not be. Women are taught they must be curvy and soft. And men are taught, right, they must not be curvy mm -hmm. and soft. They must be, you know, cut and strong. And So the man box is a whole set of beliefs that restrict us. Um, it's not telling us who we can be or who we have deep affinity to being. It's telling us a restricted view of who we must be and, and is usually controlled by something external to us. And that's a part of not getting rid of maleness, which you can't do, or denigrating maleness, which you see in some areas of society or you know, we must be more like women, not men, because women are nice and men are not nice. I mean, there's a whole set of things that restrict women in one way and restrict men in another. And part yeah. of my work over the years is to help men find their true selves so that we can be in good relationship and we can break out of the restrictions and find our true passions and calling in life. And I love how you're not denying the difference between male and female while encouraging us not to be stuck in a tight box that uh, that just hurts both genders or all genders you know yeah well it's understandable that some women some feminists you know throughout the world who were told that women had to be in their own box you couldn't do certain things and generally for many if you separated out and said men are this way and women are that way, it usually was a hierarchical men are better than and women are less than and men, you know, are the ones that can be doctors and the ones that can head governments and corporations and women are too soft for that, too feminine for that. So it's understandable that some women would say, ah, the way to break out of that is let's just treat everybody as people. Let's get away from this. Men are this way and women are that way. Well, the truth is that one, that doesn't work because there are some biological and not just our anatomy biology, our brains are different, our mm -hmm. hormones are different, mm -hmm. you know, the way we've evolved is different. And if we can break out of the social restrictions that tell women that being their inherent self is less than, and we can really recreate what humans have had for most of human history is an egalitarian equal society that we haven't been living in throughout human, you know, recent time. By recent, I mean the last 10,000 years of what we call civilization, but could better be described as a dominator culture that we're all, in a sense, restricted by. Mm -hmm. So if we can now return to this equality where men can be men 
and really deeply male, and women can be deeply female, we can have the kind of equal relationships that everybody is really wanting in a marriage or a relationship. Beautiful, beautiful vision. Wow. Uh, so, so men might listen to this right now, and women as well, and they might think to, to themselves, what do you mean by differences between men and women on the brain level or on the hormonal level? What does that look like in, in day-to-day life? Sure. Well, for instance, we know in brain studies, a lot of this study are fairly new, new research that's been done, that in, you know, we have two halves of the brain. Most of us kind of know that there's a left half and a right half, and there's communication between the, the hemispheres. Well, it turns out that, that women have a larger connection. That is, that bridge between them makes for more of a balance between left and right which allows women to process information better, to be able to, to work both from an emotional and an intellectual level, where men have less of a connection. So it means men tend to you know, be more restricted in our emotional response than, than women. We see that hormonally as well. You know, men have obviously higher testosterone levels generally. And Uh, with higher testosterone levels, we have more of an ability to solve math problems, and we go bald more often than women. These are testosterone-related things. But what we pay for that is uh, we're not as easily able to be empathic and to connect emotionally as women are. So there's a whole host of differences. That doesn't mean one's better than the other. It just means we process information differently. We have to learn how to communicate uh, better. Another shorthand of this, there's a woman, again, a woman psychologist that wrote a, a book that's called Warriors and Worriers. So warriors, you know, are the male kind of way of being in the world that's more competitive, part of the male spirit, testosterone, brains tend to be more competitive with other men. And women tend to be worriers. That is, they worry more about things. They, you know, they, 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 ruminate about, you know, oh, what's going to happen? Is this going to happen? So again, there's some inherent differences. If we can appreciate them, we can honor them, we can learn from each other, we can stretch ourselves because men have all qualities that women, we can be empathic, we can be caring, but for some men, we have to work at it a little more. And women can be as, you know, as aggressive and as demanding and as strong as men can, but some you have to work harder at it. For some, it's not natural, and they, we don't need to force women into being more like men, and we don't have to force men to be more like women. We all have our own unique flavor, our own unique mixture of yin and yang, of masculine quality and feminine quality, and to me, that's the wonderful dance of male and female that Hopefully, we can celebrate rather than have conflict. Beautiful. So, what's a good advice for a guy these days in a long-term committed relationship, you think? Uh, well, if you've made it and it's long-term and it's committed, that's, that's, a, you know, that's a gift. It's not so easy to do. Like I say, I, I tried twice before and didn't make it. And, and now I've been in a long-term committed relationship. For, 
for 40, 40 years. So one of the things that I would say, and I, I, you know, one of the things my wife and I have learned is that if you're in a long-term relationship, you're going to change, you know, who you were, who I was, I'll speak for myself when I first got married, is different than who I am now. So my wife, Carlin, and I, we do a remarriage ceremony every 15 years. So we got married first time, married once, and we made our vows. Who we were then, that was 40 years ago. So we were younger then. (laughs) And then after 15 years, we went, all right, well, we're different people now. Do we still want to be married? Okay, well, what's changed? What kind of agreements would we have now? What what, what do we want now that maybe we, we didn't know about at the time? So we redid that after 15 years. We did it again uh, after 30 years. Mm. So we have a new, you know, another one coming up, out, you know, once we've been married for, for 45 years. So we're getting on to that. So most people think, you know, we get married and you live happily ever after. So that worked well when you didn't live very long after you got married. I mean, <laughs> the truth is that humans, up until, you know, my, my father was born in, in 1906, and my mother was born in 1908. So in those years, the lifespan, the expected lifespan of people was somewhere in the United States, you know, in a developed country, and others it was less. But 40 to 45 years was a lifespan. So if you got married when you were 25, and you were married for 15 years, you're probably pretty close to the end. So now that we live, you know, into our 80s, 90s, 100s, we have at least a whole nother lifetime that we have to live together. And we really haven't been trained for that. Mm -hmm. In other words, this is pretty recent time in human history. So we very, you know, one of my, again, my, my advice to people is, Renew your vows regularly, whatever it is. Ours is every 15 years. See who you are now rather than assuming that what was true for you at the beginning is going to carry you through the end. That sounds like uh, maybe one of your next books. Well, you never know. You know, <laughs> a writer has always got a maybe next. But uh, for now, you know, 16 is a good number. I'm glad to. Let people know about the books that I've already done and hopefully continue to help people through my teaching, training, and talks like I have with you guys. So I want to ask one more question about the 12 Rules for Good Men, uh, which is the title of your book. And tell us a, a rule from it that you think would apply almost only for men. Well, one of the things that uh, I talk about as a whole you know, chapter on it, which is dealing with male anger. Actually, I have a, you know, a, 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 a whole book about that. But men, because we have higher testosterone, because we, you know, are restricted in certain ways in the man box, and we have, uh, you know, certain threats that we have to deal with, males build up a lot of anger in ways that are different than the way women do. And so, you know, I, I mentioned to you, I wrote a book called The Irritable Male Syndrome. Um, and I think it's one of the key things that men need to understand and deal with and women need to understand and deal with if you've got a man in your life. In fact, you know, if people go to my website, I mentioned uh, menalive.com, 
there's a, a quiz that has become very popular. Uh, it's called the Irritable Male Syndrome Quiz. And it, it assesses to what degree anger may be a problem in your, in your, your relationship. And it started out as a research tool for my book. Turned out that it became so popular, I left it on the site. And now there's been about 65 to 70,000 men have taken the quiz to assess their anger levels and probably half again that number of women that took the quiz to help them understand what may be going on with anger with the men in their lives. So that's, that's an area I really think is, is very important for men to be aware of. And, and is there a way to overcome that moment of, ang of men anger? Like, not, I understand the tendency for men anger is, is a part of being a man. And for some men, it's even like a situation where they, are, they have a syndrome. They, they can, they, they, it affects uh, a lot of their, of, of their life's uh, facets. But uh, are there some proven ways to overcome anger when it strikes? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Uh, there, there are two, two things that don't work so well don't work so well. One is you just blow up, you know, short fuse. Many, many of us have experienced that. You just, something triggers us and we lash out verbally or physically. The other, which many of us do to try not to do that, is we stuff it. We just keep ourselves. My wife would look at me sometimes and say, you know, you look angry. And I grit my teeth and I'd say, I'm not angry. And, you know, we, we've all had that experience. So the antidote for that, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. But a real simple thing is to breathe, breathe, take a deep breath. It's hard to stay angry when you've taken three deep breaths and you just let yourself settle and you calm before you either act out or act aggressively or we stuff it in. Just breathe. Mm. Thank you. Yes, I can see you're doing that. Good. Yes. <laughs> so we, there's so much to talk about. What are some of the things that you're doing these days that are exciting for you? Well, a number of things. And thanks for asking, because, yeah, we do have to wrap it up. I am in the process of creating a training program for people that are interested in doing this work. And by this work, I mean anything having to do with relationships. Because I think if there's anything that COVID and this virus are teaching us worldwide is that we have to learn to be in better relationship with ourselves, with our partners, with the animal kingdom, uh, including the viruses and the other parts of the natural world. And so I'm just starting a training program for 25 healers that want to learn to really do this better and to make a living doing this work. So that's, that's something I'm, I'm excited about. It's kind of a culmination of 50 years of this work that I've been doing and looking forward to sharing it with the world. Well, and there's so much that you do to help men and women and this, uh, not just through your books, but through your thriving uh, blog uh, in menalive.com. And uh, nowadays with your newest uh, program that you're launching for healers. So where should 
people go to learn more? Is it menalive.com? Is there something specific you want them to yeah. check? Well, that's, that's the specific place, uh, menalive.com. And I mentioned that I had a gift for uh, your listeners that if people, and we'll let them know how to do that. But the uh, I have a, a ebook called the, the Good Men Manifesto that goes with the 12 Rules for Good Men. And it's a, a gift I'd send out to any of your listeners that would like to receive it. And uh, we will put this in the show notes under generousmanager.com uh, the details of how you could get your copy for free of the Good Men Manifesto. And that is something that uh, I think is, is a good idea. It can shortcut your process of identifying some of the areas in your life that you want to develop or study or, or better understand. And it could help you make a, a better decision on investigating further with the 12 Rules for Good Men uh, book. So, Jed Diamond, I want to thank you and like salute to you uh, for all of your work, for helping men, for not giving up, for the, 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 there was, I'm sure, many, many voices uh, and many naysayers that uh, suggested that maybe uh, your work is not valuable. Your work is phenomenal and important. And we just want to, I just want to thank you. You're very welcome. It's great to be with you guys. And Hopefully we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Jed. Thank you for gener your generosity. Okay. Sorry I have to run, but we'll be in touch. I'll send yeah. you some stuff and we'll talk again, I'm sure. Yes. Sure. Okay, Thank you. farewell. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.